1: not every church picks up the truth and runs with it continually because the enemy will come in any way that he can. That's why we need continual instruction. That's why we need continual encouragement. That's why we need continual course adjustments in our walk in the Lord. That's why coming together as believers in Christ, again, iron sharpening iron, again, to be under the teaching of the word of God, not the philosophies of man, but under the word of God. The church at Thessalonica, a new group of believers, yeah, they were doing well but they were also vulnerable to false teachers.
0: The enemy attacks the church and its people whenever possible. He wants nothing more than for us to turn from God or be confused and misled. In today's message, Pastor David discusses the importance of being in fellowship with other believers, being in the Word of God, and sitting under God's teaching. Do not be persuaded by the teachings of men. Be accountable to and honest with other believers. We all struggle to follow God's narrow path. Don't walk it alone. Now here's Pastor David in the book of First Thessalonians chapter 3 with part 2 of today's message, Standing Fast in the Lord.
1: Open our
0: hearts, from by the open word.
1: All that desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. How many of you hold on to that promise every morning when you wake up? Amen. Those are the tough ones. Those are the tough. He says, evil men and imposters are going to grow worse and worse. They're going to deceive and being deceived. But you must continue in the things that you've learned. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus suffer persecution. You know, that is such a power-packed verse. And it is such a deep and, and, and powerful biblical truth. You don't hear that as a new believer. But all you have to do is look back in the Old Testament. All you have to do, actually even in the New Testament, look at Hebrews chapter 11, and you look at this roll call of the faithful and all the issues that each one of these who desired to follow God, who desired that their lives would be lived for his glory, all the issues that went that they went through, uh, line after line after line, we won't take the time this morning, but Hebrews 11 shows us clearly that all those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Again, the the very truth that Paul wanted these new believers in Thessalonica to fully understand, to fully comprehend. And so he sent Timothy to remind them and to check on him. And the great thing is, when Timothy returned, he had a great report. We're back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. We're down in verse 6 now. But now that Timothy has come to us from you, and he's brought us good news of your faith and love, that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we are comforted concerning you by your faith. I know that many of you here have had children, uh, younger children, and uh perhaps it was a time during the, while your children were small, you had the opportunity of leaving them with a, a babysitter, a child sitter. Maybe it was a relative, somebody that you trusted that you left your children with and you went out for the evening or perhaps you were gone for a couple of days, depending on what situation. You come back and say, well, how did things go? And the sitter or the family member says, oh, it went great. Man, they, uh, your, your kids played with each other for a long, long time. Oh, they had a couple of small little skirmishes, but they actually worked it out themselves. When bedtime came, the, they went up, they brushed their teeth, they said their prayers, went on to bed, no problem at all. And you look at them and says, but what about my kids? Because yeah. Yeah. that just doesn't make sense to you. That... But actually, when you hear that kind of report, man, that... That makes you proud as a parent. Way to go, kids. And, and that's what I see is happening with Paul here. He gets this great report from Timothy. Man, he is just encouraged and he's blessed by that. Uh, again, he understands that God is working with them in a powerful way and he can rest in that and, again, be filled with joy because of it. Again, in spite of all the odds that were against them, they were doing well. They were doing very well. Timothy reported that they were growing in their faith and not only growing in their faith, but they were also growing in their love, their love for each other, their love for the apostle and for the ministry team. They had great appreciation for all that Paul and the team had gone through simply to bring them the gospel. The testimony of their lives showed to Timothy, and Timothy, again, revealed this to Paul, the, the, the depth of their commitment. This wasn't just a, a flash in the pan. Uh, Do you love Jesus? Yes, I love Jesus. Empty kind of a commitment. No, this is something that they had committed their lives to. and They were being faithful in their walk with God himself, again, as God worked and moved through their lives uh, because of their dedication to him, even during the toughest of times. Look what he says here in verse 8. He says, for now we, Paul writing to the Thessalonians, he says, for now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God, night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. What a joy, again, it was for Paul to see the success of this church. Again, it wasn't a a success that was measured by numbers or measured by programs. It was a success that was demonstrated and measured because they were fully consumed by the Lord, allowing the Holy Spirit to work and move within their lives. They were focused on the plans and the purposes of God. The, the, The testimony of their lives literally brought life to the ministry of the apostle. The faithfulness of their walk was a continual encouragement to the apostle and to the others to continue on in the work of ministry. If after pastoring this, we would look out and say, man, we have numbers of people, but we don't see any spiritual growth. We, we, we have plenty of programs, but we don't see God really affecting the lives of people. You know how depressing that would be? Some people are in it for the numbers. I understand that. But our heart's desire is to see your lives growing in depth in the Lord, seeing your lives working through issues of life and still giving glory and honor and praise to Christ. That's an encouragement to ministry. And I believe that, that Paul was, was stoked once he heard about how great the church up in Thessalonica was doing. I believe that it gave just that extra energy boost because he had been facing persecution and trials as he's giving the gospel. And that now made it worth it because he saw what was going on there in Thessalonica. He knew that they, as young believers, yet there was still a lot that was lacking in their maturity and the understanding of the fullness of the doctrine of Christ. Yes, they were doing great in their walk, but man, there's still so much that they needed to learn. I wanna see a raise of hands real quick. How many of you have been a believer in Jesus Christ, You've given your heart and life to Christ uh, for at least, uh, let's say, 15 years. Raise your hand. A good portion of the congregation this morning. Now, let me ask you this, of those of you who raised your hands, how many of you know that there's still more to learn? (laughs) Amen, amen, yeah. (laughs) Continual. We never stop learning from the Word of God. We never stop receiving from the Spirit of God. And Paul says, these are new believers, they're doing great, but there's yet more that needs to be laid down for them. And that's why he wanted once again to see their face and perfect what was lacking in their faith. Not that they had gone astray, but they were simply, again, young in their walk and they needed, again, that further encouragement. Unfortunately, uh, that, that wasn't the case that we see when we look at churches like, oh, say Corinth. The church in Corinth, there was all kinds of issues that Corinth had, and, and, and Paul had been there for a year and a half. He had poured into them for a year and a half, and they were still having issues. In 2 Corinthians, we read that Paul says, for I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, to the Corinthians he's writing. I betrothed you uh, to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest somehow, as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds might be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. They had much teaching. Paul had poured into them greatly. And yet, of, of, of all the churches we see in the New Testament, the, the Corinthian church seemed to be the, the most troubled, the, the, the most confused, the, the most that Paul had to bring such correction to. Same kind of a situation with the church of Galatia. You're probably familiar with the, the words that Paul wrote to that church. He said, oh, foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? Who's tricked you? Who's deceived you? But you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as Crucified. That means that somebody, after a while, had gotten into that church and started stirring them up. Not only that, but they had brought in this idea that, yeah, as a Christian, you have this, but you also need to follow the laws of Judaism. And that's why, why Paul says, this holy, I want to learn from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish Having begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? You see, not every church picks up the truth and runs with it continually because the enemy will come in any way that he can. That's why we need continual instruction. That's why we need continual encouragement. That's why we need continual course adjustments in our walk in the Lord. That's why coming together as believers in Christ, again, iron sharpening iron, again, to be under the teaching of the word of God, not the philosophies of man, but under the word of God. The church at Thessalonica a new group of believers, yeah, they were doing well, but they were also vulnerable to false teachers. And again, far too easy for us to try and move forward in the things of God with just a little knowledge. Just a little knowledge, you understand, can be a very dangerous thing. Amen? If a young person, well, I know how to turn the key on on the car. I know where the accelerator is, and I know how to put it in gear. Well, he's got a little knowledge, but that suddenly becomes a very dangerous thing, amen? Uh, A brain surgeon that says, oh, I know how to put him under. I know how to cut the skull. I know how to get to the brain, but that's all I know. Uh, Would you want that guy working on you? I don't think so. A little knowledge is a dangerous thing, and particularly even for our Christian walk. To say, man, I'm born again, and boom, now I'm going forward. I don't need the church. I don't need anybody. It's just me and Jesus and my Bible, and we're fine. A little knowledge is a dangerous thing. We need to grow in the whole counsel of God's word. We need to grow and understand the word within the context of its writing. Many of these uh, pseudo-Christian religions are cults. Oh, they say that they believe the word of God, And and many of their teachings, they might even take out of the word of God. But beloved, you need to understand, they're taking it out of context. And then they twist it around to make it say what they want it to say. They have a little bit of a truth mixed with their great lie. And the unfortunate thing, there's far too many young and immature believers with only a cursory knowledge of the word of God and its teachings that are actually taken by these cults. Some of The, 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 the biggest group of people that, again, that, that go into uh, LDS, go into Mormonism, are those who have made a commitment of faith or have been uh, involved in a church somewhere in the past. They know a little bit of Bible. And they come and it sounds so good to them. People are fall, fall prey to these cults because they sound so good, because they seem so devoted. Their families seem to have it all together. Why they even quote scripture, surely they're good. But the question is, is do they teach the whole counsel of God's word? Do they teach it without mixing it with their own man-made philosophies and opinions? Do they have the balance of the truth, or do they zero in on one area or another area without giving you the complete counsel of God's word? Just a side note, looking and seeing, well, how do I know? How can I understand that a doctrine is true? Real quickly, there's a, there's kind of a three-fold test. I won't go into it deep. Number one, is it shown as a type or a shadow in the Old Testament, the doctrine that's strong for this church? Is there a shadow or a type? Do we see it clearly in the Old Testament? Secondly, do we see Jesus living it out, acting that out, or teaching it to the followers during his ministry? Do we find it in the gospels? And then, thirdly, do we see it in the teachings and the ministry of the apostles in the book of Acts and in all the letters to the churches? There's a multitude of things we could take up this morning, but we don't have time. But if you look, if you use that threefold test more often than not, that'll guard you from many false teachings. It's interesting to read, again, this concern for the Thessalonians coming from Paul, particularly in in, in the light of what we read in the book of Acts. Keep yourself there in 1 Thessalonians. Turn to the left uh, to the book of Acts. The book of Acts, and particularly chapter 17. I believe that Acts chapter 17 gives us a little bit of a hint of why Paul was so concerned about the status of the Thessalonians. Acts chapter 17 uh, speaks about Paul's time there uh, from Philippi, then down to Thessalonica, the persecution from Thessalonica. They moved first from Thessalonica down to a little town called Berea. Now, down in verse 10 of chapter 17, we read this. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Again, that's, that's Paul's standard. He would go there, begin proclaiming the gospel. Verse 11, these, those there in Berea, were more noble or fair-minded than those of Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and they searched the scriptures daily to find out rather these things were so. When it speaks about them being noble or fair-minded, it speaks to the fact that they had a willingness to learn and, and, and to evaluate something fairly. You see, for the Bereans, they received the gospel, but they went back into the word to make sure that what they were believing, what they were receiving was true. We don't read that about the Thessalonians. Oh, they received the word. But again, how well founded were they? I believe that perhaps Paul saw in the reception of the Thessalonians as compared to the reception of the Bereans that perhaps the Thessalonians were a people who could and would be led astray if someone came in with a convincing argument through the philosophy or empty deceit according to the tradition of man, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. That's why he wanted to come back to them and supply what was lacking in their faith. That's why he sent Timothy to check on them, to encourage them. That's why he was so delighted when he heard that they were doing well still. He carries that same thought, actually, on end chapter 4. But for now, he gives sort of a, a, a benediction or a prayer at the end of chapter 3 for the Thessalonians. So back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul writes to them this. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. Paul says, I want to come back to you. And may the Lord make you, increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do to you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with his saints. Paul looks to God to direct and to provide the timing for his journey back to Thessalonica. But until that time comes, he continues to pray for the church that they would continue to grow, to grow in in their knowledge of the the Lord, but also to grow in their love for each other. But isn't that just what Jesus said would be a sign of true disciples by our love one for another? They'll know you are my disciples because you attend a lot of church meetings. Now, that's not what it says. They'll know you are my disciples because you got the biggest King James Bible that was available at the bookstore. No, that's not. He says, they'll know you are my disciples by your love one for another. So Paul encourages him, hey, continue and to grow in your love for one another. We have to love even those that are unlovely, amen? As a matter of fact, the scripture even says that we're called to love our enemies. Loving the, the easy ones, that's easy. Loving the unlovely, the difficult ones, and even our enemies. That shows that we're not our own, but we are walking in Christ, and our life is nothing. In the midst of all of that, that our hearts and our faith would be firmly grounded, established. Established blameless in holiness. That means that we're standing firm in our knowledge of the Lord. That means that we're walking in obedience to his word. That means that we're being found faithful to his call and to his leading in our lives. That means that we're surrendering our will for his will and we're pursuing a life of holiness in the midst of a very unholy world and a very unholy culture. Beloved, we do all of these things for the glory of God our Father with the full expectation that at any moment, at any day, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with a voice of the archangels and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. But you know what? That's next week's teaching. That's chapter four of First Thessalonians. But for right now, whether it's here, there, or in the air. We want to be found faithful. Amen? Amen. 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 Read ahead. There's an excitement that Paul is giving this church of Thessalonica. They're doing good. They're doing well. And he's saying, guys, there's so much to look forward to. And that's the word that I want to leave you with this morning also. In this world, you'll have many tribulations. Jesus said that. Some of them are spiritual things. Well, let me back up. I think that all of them. Eventually, become spiritual things. I stub my toe in the in the middle of the night, uh, getting up from bed. That's just a physical pain that I'm going through. But you know what? That can affect me spiritually because, man, the next day I'm just complaining about that, and I'm just so focused on that. I don't want to hear from the Lord. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to do anything. I just want to baby myself. Amen. Uh, there, there's issues. My my car is broken down. The mechanic says, "Hey, it's going to be." $2,000. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, man, why, is that, you know, why does that happen? Poor me, poor me. And suddenly it's all about me. So yeah, any kind of trials, any kind of tribulations, they can become a spiritual issue in our lives at any moment. That our eyes would be focused on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, laying aside every sin that so easily besets us. Let us run with patience, the race that's set before us.
0: Everyone has spent time wondering about the future. Whether it's short term, lifelong, or even into eternity, we've each at some point let our mind wander into the unknown. While we can't ever know the future for certain, we do know certain truths about Jesus' return and our place with Him for the rest of time. As Pastor David continues to teach through the book of 1 Thessalonians, we pray you find comfort in these things. We also pray that you know where you're going to spend eternity. Have you made a decision to follow Jesus with your whole life? If not, we'd be honored to tell you more or to pray with you as you take that step. Please give us a call at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. We'd encourage you to also find and begin regularly attending a local church, one that teaches God's Word and practices what they learn. With that in mind, Pastor David has an invitation for you.
1: Hey, again, thanks, Chris. I would love to be able to meet you in person and include you in the weekly worship services here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. We meet every Saturday, Sunday, and Wednesday. We spend time in the Word and in prayer and in worship. Be sure to stop me after the service and introduce yourself. Visit TheOpenWord.com for more information and to find the service times. Just follow the links to our church homepage. I look forward to seeing you there. Thanks, Pastor
0: David, and thank you for tuning in today to The Open Word.